the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, the generation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the college football championship preview and season finale. Just like last year and the years prior, this episode will be in two parts. We'll preview the championship game between Georgia and TCU, followed by our award show and season recap. We'll highlight some of the Best moments of the year, some uh, we can laugh about now. We'll hand out our Haiti Smith Award winner. There'll be prizes. That's the voicemail caller of the year. I think we have six nominees we'll go through, and then we'll vote on one. And then we'll hand out our fifth annual Gambling Heisman Trophy Award winner. Uh, First, I should also remind everyone that after Monday, January 9th, which is the date of the College Football National Championship. This podcast, Big Bets on Campus, will transition to full-time college basketball, featuring myself, Three Man Weave, and a few others. So stay tuned for more info on the college basketball season schedule next week. Before we get into the championship preview, college football playoffs, I know you were at a game. I guess it's a moment to, to I can gloat about my hogs. I mean, my hogs, my frogs. Uh <laughs> F Jim Bodog Jim, see a buddy. He's probably all he's, now. There's rumors he's off to the NFL, uh, running Philly specials with his big bad Michigan offensive line. So that was nice. And Ohio State was nice. Two thrilling games. I thought we were going to get two great games, and we did. It was awesome. Uh, then Tulane, that was epic. Their comeback against USC. So it was pretty strong close to bowl season. I had, I had a really good bowl season, really good season. But who cares? It's on to the championship. Everyone just wants to find winners. We'll talk the game, props, but how how'd you enjoy the uh college ball playoff and, and going against your your babies? Yeah, I know. TCU has been my team since I don't know, the spring. I I've never gone against these guys. I told And Sonny- not my team. It was such a role reversal. <laughs> and not yours. Yeah. <laughs> I told Sonny Dykes face to face in ATT Stadium and Cowboys Stadium, Big 12 Media Days, you're going to win the Big 12. I was wrong on that. I should have told him you're going to win the national championship. I'd have been even more close on that. But my love for TCU, uh, you know, just, you know, ran into a Michigan team where you know how Colin Wilson works. He loves trenches. He loves offensive line play. And what we saw out of Michigan was just complete. I, I, I am still shocked that Michigan was able to stuff and stop half of Michigan's uh, rushing attempts. And, you know, nothing surprised me with this TCU team anymore. The fact that they're so willing to roll the dice and jump routes on defense, the fact that they're able to take a 3-3-5 stack and stop a rush like Michigan, or the fact that on offense they have numerous players that can go to the house from any yard marker. 
about, you know, second, third quarter, especially when that third quarter was happening stuck. I was up in the press box. Um, I thought, man, I cannot believe I hopped off my TCU train. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And by the time we got back to the media hotel, uh, you know, after the Fiesta Bowl and you see Ohio State and you see Georgia just going up and down the field and up and down the field and Georgia's secondary can't stop anything. You see C.J. Stroud running around. You think TCU might be a team of destiny. So I think you and I are going to get into that. It's a uh, it's a little bit different dynamic being live at the game in the press box, though. I'll say that I sent you a picture. Uh, it's quiet. Right. You're supposed to be neutral. You're yeah, that was fascinating for me. To I've never been in a media box. So like you can't. Not a if sports. That's if you have bets, you can't cheer. Um, <laughs> and it's it's all business, so which is which is bizarre. I don't know if I'd be able to with a bet like being like, yeah, like or it'd be so I'm very vocal cheer at times. Um, so that's yeah, that's uh, gotta one, be odd. At one point I went like this, I went, and Brett goes, You uh can't do that in the press box. I was like, Oh, this is I mean, it's rough, it's rough. But uh I am uh I'm already here in Vegas, uh waiting for props to open up. Uh you're flying out, and I cannot wait to pay you off on your dinner, your TCU dinner. You deserve it. Uh, and we'll see what bets we get out of this podcast. Yeah, people said I, I think Michigan did miss Blake Corm. Donovan Edwards is more hit or miss. By the way, Bud Clark would have helped him catching Donovan Edwards, who I've Donovan Edwards getting caught. And then that saved them, ended up saving them seven points. That was huge when you look back. People saying it was fluky because of the goal line spots. Number one, Michigan had some awful calls on there. But, you know, TCU had three turnovers. There were some fluky ones. Both teams averaged seven yards per play, had about 500 yards. It was just a great game that could have went either way. Um, you know, TCU had like 90 one. penalty yards. What, what's that? It, it was net plus one turnovers. It's not like those two goal line, the, the fumbles at the goal line or the McCarthy pick six. Yeah, they were a big part in swinging the game, but at the same time, that wasn't the re- that wasn't the reason that TCU outright won the game. They earned it. Yeah, and I fi- I did find it ironic, and I was happy to see Michigan with the Philly special on fourth to go up the one. TCU iced the game pretty much with a quarterback sneak um, on a short yarded situation. But mm-hmm. anyway, who cares? We are on to the college football national championship where. We will try to find some winners. We'll break down the game, and then if uh, you like any side or total, you can disclose that, and then we'll talk some props. I really, really like one prop, one player, and I'll get into a number of different ways I'll be betting about my favorite. But let's uh, – I think you let's get into the same angle. We're just playing different people. I, I, I think so, so let's see. So as of right now, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. At BetMGM, Georgia is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite, down from the open, total sitting uh, right around at 62-and-a-half at BetMGM. Let's break this down first with when TCU has the ball, and then we'll do when Georgia has the ball. So we've seen some passing offenses exploit this Georgia secondary, you've seen Ohio State do it, with explosive plays. TCU certainly has very talented receivers on the outside that are capable of hitting explosive plays on a fast track. And then you have Max Duggan and his legs, big factor against Michigan. What can Duggan do with his legs here? Is he going to have enough time? And the team doesn't get elite pressure. Part of that's by design. And can the receivers make enough plays on the outside to either keep up uh, or, you know, beat Georgia. So what do you see when TCU has the ball against this Georgia defense that is definitely not 
in the same conversation as last year's historically dominant unit? I think the first thing we do is we recognize the fact what little baby brother Riley has done, what Garrett Riley has done as offensive coordinator. Because when you think of Sonny Dykes, you think Mike Leach and you think Air Raid. And, you know, Mike Leach's basic concept back in the day was if there's a light box, we're going to run. Otherwise, we're going to throw it, you know, two by two or three by one, whatever. We're going to throw it a lot. Right. And TCU has not fit that mold whatsoever. 55% rush does not fit an air raid. And so you go into Garrett Riley's uh, offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, little brother of Lincoln Riley. Uh, you go into his history. He was the receivers coach at East Carolina for Zay Jones, who's now, you know, 115 targets, I think, for the Jaguars right now. Uh, he then went on to win the Sun Belt as a as a running backs coach at App State in 2019. I mean, that was the last time you and I were hot on App State was when Riley was there. And so, uh, you know, Sonny Dyke scoops him up, brings him to SMU. And all of a sudden we're looking at an air raid that is based on the ground attack. And that's exactly what's happening here. They TCU offense goes on what the defense gives you. You put six in the box, they're going to throw. You put five in the box light and they got five offensive line, they're going to run the ball. So to say that we know that a certain running back or a certain wide receiver is going to get you know, enough carries or enough targets, it's a little bit less predictable with TCU because it depends on what the Georgia defense is going to give you. So I think we'll start there. Georgia's defense runs the mint front. And if you're wondering what that is, they got the nose tackle and then they got the two defensive tackles that line up on the inside of the tackles. And then they're going to have like a jack linebacker standing up trying to rush. But I think the the, the big key is that Georgia's going to bring four. Then it looks like they're going to bring eight, but they're only going to bring four in pressure and they're going to drop everyone back into quarters pressure. So they'll have three instead of two eye safeties, they'll go with three safeties and they'll have four underneath. And what that's going to do, Stuck, is allow the zero to 10 yards be wide open. And that is where I started to fall in love with TCU and their offense in this game. If you look at where TCU attacks the field, it's zero to 10 yards in between the hash marks. And the two biggest targets are Quentin Johnson and Savion Williams. They have more than 25% of their targets in that area. If you look at rushing attempts with Kendra Miller, <laughs> it's all over center, left of the center, right of the center. It's over the middle. So when you look at that, that is the area to attack the quarters coverage. That is the area that you know, if you go back to the Tennessee game, that's what they tried to do. They tried to go underneath and then allow their receivers to do the work after the catch. I venture to say that TCU has more explosive players. I don't think anybody's faster than Darius Davis. He's going to post probably the fastest 40 time at the NFL Combine. Uh, Quentin Johnson is an absolute machine since his injury at Texas. That is his zone. And I think the big player on this offense that you have to watch for and that I'm trying to weave into some props if we can get him in there is their tight end, Wiley. Uh, and, and I think where Wiley becomes so important to their offense is because he is the reason they're 10 personnel when they line up with four wide receivers or he motions in and then they play 11 as the tight end. And then him and Kendra Miller or, you know, uh, Amari Demarcado act as blockers for Max Duggan. So, again, I go back to this. If there's six or seven guys in the box for Georgia, TCU elects to run. They can bring Wiley, the tight end, in and, and you know, act have him as a blocker. They're going to have Di Mercado act as a blocker, and then Max Duggan gets to run. So I would say that the biggest offensive weapons that we're going to see out of TCU is good. Do you think it matters if Kendra Miller's status or does Di so, uh, there run? There is um, some talk out there that I heard about how Kendra Miller is explosive, can run. If you look at Di Mercado's numbers, he's actually better yards after contact. Uh, he just doesn't have as many attempts. He has half the attempts that Kendra Miller has. I think from a running the ball standpoint, TCU is just fine. 
from a blocking aspect, the worry was Demarcado came in there and Michigan just blew him up and Max Duggan got wiped on a sack. Uh, if you go into PFF grading, both Miller and Demarcado have the same blocking grades, the same run blocking grades. I think it was just a missed assignment. I don't think there's that big of a drop off. Uh, I know Kendra Miller is unbelievable to watch, but Demarcado has been just as good. And you can't say that this kid's not fired up. He's from Inglewood, California. He's playing five minutes from his family. Uh, so it's a really big game for him. And so I don't think it's that big of a drop off. Now, from a props perspective, we'll get to later. I'm not touching anything with Kendra Miller. Uh, not an over, not an under, not anything until we know his health status. Knee injury listed as questionable. He has been cleared to play the game, but it's just a variable that you and I can't handicap until probably I'm standing on the field at SoFi and seeing if he's making any cuts, which we'll get to Lad McConkey later because I, I got comments about that too. So I think from the TCU offense, it's hard to predict who's going to get a maximum amount of carries, who's going to get the touches, who's going to get the receptions. But I do love Quentin Johnson getting the ball over his prop. I like Max Duggan running the ball. I, I think if Georgia flashes that mint front and they load the box, you're going to see Wiley. You're going to see Demarcado go in blocking. You're going to see Max Duggan run the ball. And the big stat that you need to watch is that Max Duggan scrambled a lot this year. He does have designed runs, right? He does call his own number and take off. Against Michigan, 13 rushing attempts, 11 were designed runs. That he had not, that was his season high, never even came close to that. He didn't have, I don't think he had designed runs over five in a game ever. So he called 11 designed runs on himself or Garrett Riley put them in for the play. I think that continues here. I think he's a high leverage game. He got healthy over that yep. month and but he's uh, the it'll be the same. Man. Yeah, it'll be the same thing here. It's everything is on the line and it's worth mentioning it because I like Duggan over rushing yards too. You know, Georgia 94th in sack rate this year. Yep. They're not a team that's getting tons of sacks, which is important because sacks count against your rushing yards in college. Yeah. And that and that's the other thing. The one thing I do worry about the rushing prop, knees. We know the Patrick Mahomes knees in the Super Bowl count against you. Sacks count against you in college for your rushing yards. Uh, I do like Max Duggan to score a TD. We get down to the one-yard line. Maybe there's a penalty, a PI, whatever. We get down to the one-yard line, it's going to be a sneak, especially with Kendra Miller not there and not healthy. Max Duggan is the next man up who's taking that sneak over and 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 prayers to Max Duggan with Jalen Carter uh, hovering over that middle. But uh, that that is going to be the play. So I do like a Max Duggan anytime TD in this game. I support the rushing yards. Uh, I would worry about the knees if TCU wins this game, but we'll talk about it at the end. And you think so? You think that TCU can have success here ultimately? Absolutely, and it's because and and I I see the steam and the over in the market, and I think that's because people think this could be a shootout like both the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl are. But if Georgia is going to go, if they're just going to sit back in quarters coverage with three safeties and four linebackers, fifteen yards off the ball, then you are going to get another Tennessee game, which went under the total. Uh, and the reason is that because they did not want to allow the big play. If Georgia they just get more methodical drives, exactly. clocks bleeding. Yep. And then, you know, you have one or two of those where it ends in like a, a missed field goal or a turnover. Right. All of a sudden you're, you're pretty much drawing dead with an over in the mid sixties. And I love Quentin Johnson's number of receptions to go over four and a half. His yards, is he going to be able to bust a big one right now? You just watch highlight reel from last week. You're going to think he does. But if Georgia is committed to protecting the explosive play, 
you might not get those yards, which I believe our bet labs has projected at 68 and the market is sitting around in the eighties. So I'm not going to touch Quentin Johnson's yards, but his over four and a half, definitely I'm in. So the other side of the ball, when Georgia has it, uh, so one of the reasons I really liked Ohio state was that I thought that they had two safeties who were very strong in coverage and they could match up with Georgia's tight ends. Now they run 12 personnel at the third highest frequency in the country two excellent tight ends and Ohio State had two safeties who can at least map match up as well as anyone else can. And they did, they did for the most part um, now. And, and Ohio State's weakness was on the outside of corner. Ultimately it ended up costing the game, but that's not going to kill you against Georgia. So that's one fear that I have here for TCU's defense is that their strength is on at cornerback, right? Josh Newton who plays primarily wide corner should uh, Trevius Hodges Tomlinson, who primarily plays in the wide corner. Then you have Bud Clark, who's primarily in the slot, wow, and man. Kamara, who's in the slot and a free safety. That's you know those are four of their five highest graded defenders, all corners on the air in that three three five defense. So their strength on the outside, it's not as important as it neutralized here because like that's not how you have to shut down Georgia. So can they match up, you know, and what we've seen them now against Michigan, and then also if you go back to the game against Texas, they were able to adjust. They have a really great defensive coordinator in Joe Gillespie, who we respect. They were able to adapt and, you know, shut down some of the best backs and rushing attacks in the country. But can they match up with Georgia's tight ends? That is my fear here because, uh, you know, if you go into, if you look back at, you know, first of all, if you look at, their corners aren't going to be able to match up with their tight ends one-on-one. They're just too small. You need someone that has size and agility and athleticism. And that's TCU's weakness on defense in coverage is at linebacker and safety. So that's what concerns me going up against Brock Bowers. And then Darnell Washington, who's, in, who's injured, I think he's going to play, but he might not be fully healthy. If you go back and look at all the tight ends that TCU face, and they don't face many, like their defense is built to stop the spread in the Big 12 – like Oklahoma State doesn't use a tight end. West Virginia doesn't use a tight end, right? And if you go back, but if you look at all the tight ends they faced, all but one went over their season-long average in yards when uh, against TCU this year. And they went over by, I think, an average of like 25 yards, which is a, a huge number. The other only one who didn't go over was by 2.6 yards. And people forget that Schoonmaker for Michigan, their tight end, got hurt last week. He only played mm-hmm. 10 snaps at one catch for 31 yards. His backup came in at four for 35. And if you look at the good tight ends that TCU has faced, right, there's only 52 tight ends in college football this year that had over 300 receiving yards. TCU faced four. Jatavian Sanders for Texas, who went off. Uh, ben Sinat for Kansas State, who got hurt in the first matchup in the first set. So you throw out that game, but in, in the Big 12 championship, you know, had about a season average. And – you know, then you had Schoomaker who got hurt, and then Mason Fairchild, who exceeded his season-long average by a wide margin. Those you know, tight ends averaged, I think, four catches for 60 yards and 0.7 touchdowns. On the season, they were about three for 37 and 0.4 touchdowns. Now you're going up against Brock Bowers, who is arguably the best tight end in the country, and his numbers would be even better if you know Georgia wasn't in a lot of in a lot of blowouts, so I love you know I just mentioned those tight ends who were no, not in the same stratosphere as Bowers, and they averaged right around sixty yards 
against TCU. I love the Bowers over, especially with Washington, who might not be fully healthy. So maybe he's in there to block as a decoy and he doesn't get as many targets. I I love Bowers in every way. Favorite prop is over his reception yards. That's my biggest concern is can TCU match up with these tight ends? Uh, because I do think that they'll be able to play man on the outside with their corners against these Georgia receivers, which isn't their strong suit. And then it's okay. Can you fit to the run? And you want to really commit to the run as they've done against these teams who have great rushing attacks. But then there's the, okay, how do you cover Bowers when he's in the slot? Bowers might even get some rush attempts here. He had a rush touchdown and a 70 yard rush. So like I love Bowers in every way possible. That's what scares me about this TCU's defensive matchup. I liked it a lot better for Ohio state. So I do think Georgia's going to have success with those tight ends and their unique matchup, which can, create matchup nightmares for opposing defenses. What do you see here when Georgia has the ball? 100% agree. And if you look at what Schoonmaker did for Michigan, he was the first one that had the explosive pass. They motioned him in to the fullback, and he is the reason, he is the blocks that were set to get Donovan Edwards free on those huge runs. So go back and watch the film. The way that Michigan used the tight end at the beginning of the game is exactly what they're going to do with Brock Bowers. And Brock Bowers is just going to, he has to be an animal in this game for Georgia to win and cover this game. Now, as far as the outside, I'll, I'll take a page you know, out of your book from the semifinals. These TCU corners, they're going to jump routes. They're going to give up explosive plays, but they're going to jump routes. I believe A.D. Mitchell will have an explosive play. So from a long, you know, he hasn't had in his career a reception longer than 40 yards. And I think his longest uh, in the playoff was about 22. But if TCU is going to gamble and roll the dice and jump these routes out there a corner, some of it's going to pay off with interceptions. Some of it's not so i love a stetson bennett interception prop which yeah, i believe same, is the, same. yeah which is i believe about minus 110 even though if you go into our bet labs it probably should be about plus 120 but I, stetson bennett is having severe issues without lad mcconkey health and l- i think we should talk about two there's three injuries here that we really need to pay attention to one is the right tackle for georgia's offensive line uh one of the best blockers on the team that affects the running game because Kenny McIntosh loves to run over tackle over the tight ends, but the biggest injury is Darnell Washington. It's not even close. He is the second best run blocker on this team. And if you go into grading, it's far beyond anything that they've got on their offensive line. If you go to Kenny McIntosh's running 33% of his runs are over tight end. He loves to hit the edge and follow up on these huge tight ends, especially Darnell Washington, Darnell Washington yesterday, today's Thursday, Wednesday, uh, Darnell West, Washington was talked about by Kirby Smart, said that he is not an ankle issue. He has a soft tissue issue. You go watch the film. His foot got stepped on pretty bad. I, maybe the cleat went through the foot, went through the skin. I don't know. But he hobbled off and now he is called. I don't even know what this is. If it's questionable or doubtful, he's called hopeful. Uh, if you look at the downgrade, it's freshman Oscar Delp. Uh, minimal playing time, uh, a couple of catches against South Carolina in week three. He's been in 74 running plays. He's one of the worst graded blockers on, on the Georgia <laughs> offense. So the downgrade here, I mean, we're talking like baseball value over replacement player. Uh, no Darnell Washington, monster, monster loss. Now, I'm not just talking about production out of Darnell Washington because he's only been averaging like a target to three targets in these games. From a blocking perspective, Georgia has to move from a 12 to 11. 
And to, you know, if you don't understand what that means, they have to go from a two tight end set to a one tight end set. And if you know anything about schematics in football, 12 personnel can hurt three, three, five defenses. And that is a major, major disadvantage for Georgia. If Darnell Washington is not playing and he is not blocking, that is a huge advantage for a 3-3-5 defense of TCU. He can focus on Brock Bowers, jump routes on A.D. Mitchell, and just watch Stetson Bennett's eyes about Ladd McConkie. Now, Ladd McConkie is the last one we got to watch. Go and watch all the pregame warm-ups from the Peach Bowl. McConkie is barely, I mean, he's, he's barely. slipping around. He's just limping around, no cuts whatsoever. And then the one catch that he had, I think he had four targets, two catches for negative one yards, and he convert. He made that two-point conversion. But when did that two-point conversion come? In the fourth quarter when Ohio State just completely forgot about him. He was a non-factor. He can't cut on his knee. And Kirby said that he is in pain. If he plays, he will be in pain. This is not the lad McConkie that leads Georgia in targets. This is not the lad McConkie that gets the ball, gives you a triple juke, and then takes off. And that is a, I'm just, I'm not, I'm trying to like ride the fence of I've loved TCU all year, but there are serious issues on this Georgia offense with a right tackle being injured. Darnell Washington, soft tissue in his foot, and lad McConkie leading in targets, not there for Stetson Bennett, who, for some reason, Brock Bowers was the safety blanket for Stetson Bennett last year. This year, it's been Ladd McConkie. Uh, he has been the first look all the time. Now, if he's not there, notice what Stetson Bennett did against Ohio State. Two turnover-worthy plays, an interception. Should have had about three interceptions in the game. He was lost looking at targets outside of McConkie. And if Brock Bowers is being double-teamed in 11 personnel, because TCU can do that, it's tough for Stetson Bennett, and it's going to be tougher for the for the Georgia offense. So in the app, in the action app, you guys saw that I took 13 and a half on TCU on open. Just shove the money. I, I All these variables were in my head right after the game. Shove the money. I knew this was going to bounce in a neutral zone. Personally, I will tell everybody I'm going to be on the field during warmups at SoFi Stadium. I am going to be there to look for the biggest human on the field, which is Darnell Washington. I'm going to watch Ladd McConkey warming up. And when I do that, I will make my decision whether I'm coming back on Georgia. And anybody else that tells you anything different does not know. Kirby Smart's not going to let that information out. You're not going to see these guys on a practice field. Anything else you hear is going to be a smokescreen. 90 minutes before the game, Colin Wilson's going to be on the field reporting on Darnell Washington and Ladd McConkey and if they're cutting on the field. Yeah, and the tackle. So, yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to wait on some injury news to see if I pull the trigger on the side. Uh, as of right now, I haven't played anything. I don't like anything. The total, I make that 63 and a half. Um, so nothing there. And all the props that we've talked about, we're in agreement okay. on. Let's talk about this real quick. Do you, let's say we don't have injury news and then the heavy, I mean, it's it's Vegas weekend here. The, the heavy money comes in on Georgia um, and, and we get a 14 on the board. Do you, without injury news, do you fire on TCU just to get the 14 or do you, are you going to sit back? Yeah, I'll probably I would probably play 14 small. And I do expect Georgia money to come in dependent yep, on dependent on injuries. We will also have a show, Big Bets on Campus Live Monday. We will have a, another show. It's a new show. We will have Action Island with myself, Brett, and Colin. And then Colin <laughs> has his preview out on Action Network app and actionnetwork.com. I have my prop preview. Make sure you check that out. It's gonna be great. We'll have our prop ads going in the app, and Colin will be giving his injury news. All right, before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. 
the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Enough about the actual game. Let's uh, get to one of our favorite traditions and hand out some awards. Congratulations. You've gambled on another fabulous season of college football. Now it's time to celebrate. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus Award Show Spectacular. We now introduce two guys you've called a**holes, mother**ers, and heads all season long. Your hosts for the show this evening, Stucky and Colin Wilson. All right, as we mentioned, we're going to hand out our Haiti Smith Award, which we hand out annually to our voicemail caller of the year. And then we'll select our fifth annual recipient of the Action Network Gambling Heisman Trophy and the most prestigious award in all of sports. But first, let's remember back on a few of our favorite moments from the season. My best call by far, Club Lit. What's up, Club Lit against Rice? My worst call, Club Lit against FIU. Um, it was my best college football season, betting season ever. And the most fun I had, most fun team I had was Club Lit, both the highs and the lows. I know a lot of you guys had fun with that too. How about the Irish Times hit piece on the Cornhuskers in opening weekend? Feels like forever ago. Uh, the lightning delays, ruining good bets. UTEP comes to mind there. What's up, Minor Nation? Remember that Minor Nation win over Boise State? That was a lot of fun. Our longtime listener, Martin from Florida, calling in to scream about corned beef in the bathtub. I am going to get fucked the rest of the season, but these funders are a gift from God. I'm only 25% Irish. But you better believe I'm eating corned beef in the bathtub tonight, baby. What a gift from God. Corned beef in the bathtub. Let's do it. Just how bad Nevada and Colorado State offenses were. I will never forget that primetime game. That was like pulling teeth, getting <laughs> Nevada Nevada to the window. How about Oklahoma State drama? Oh, man, how far they dropped. Remember, they were national title contenders. I battled with all of their fans. Frauds. They, Absolute frauds. Are they corpse of the year? Second half corpse of the year? Second half corpse of the year by far. My victory voicemail after Kansas State. Um, my victory lap. I'm just calling it because I know nobody in Stillwater or Brett McMurphy 
or anyone affiliated with that fraudulent program. Gundy has a dog. Oh, he's catching one. Oklahoma State. The, oh, God, there was such fraud. I kept adding. I wish I added more. 48 nothing. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of the national picture. You're fucking frauds. E-ball, baby. Luke. Love you guys. I'm not sure how much cardio Stucky does, but the amount of running that he is doing on this victory lap of Oklahoma State being frauds might be the most cardio he's done in his life. One of my favorites, a guy I call Brett McMurphy, a massive erection for his winning streak. McMurphy, you monstrous erection, you. You're on a f***ing heater up 15 units, and you finally got some f***ing AirPods. You got to love people pointing out Brett's uh, moving on from the wire earphones to the actual AirPods, you know? Yes. It's uh, yeah. really good that Brett moved up in the world. Any Brett slander will always get played on the voicemails. Uh, Service Academy totals. Um, we'll get to that when our caller of the year. And, of course, fuck Bodog Jim for that Purdue game. Our very first podcast ever, you and I sat in Florida, and the first thing we did was call Jim Harbaugh Bodog Jim. And here yep. we are. Here we are years later, and he is ending the season still on our shit side. Yep. That, your best call and worst call of the year, if you have one off the top of your head? I think best call of the year is going to be the Georgia bet against Tennessee. It was the biggest high-profile game of the season. Everybody thought Tennessee could win the national championship. I called the under, called Georgia to win that game. But you know what? As great as I can sit here and pat myself on the back, I took an under in SMU Houston, a game where both yeah, teams most points cool. most points ever in the regulation game. But I'll <laughs> I'll not let you relive that much. Your worst call of the year by far was uh, Arkansas against Missouri State. Oh, Bobby Petrino. All right, um, are we betting Texas A&M national championship futures? We might have to. But it's time to it's a good transition to give our Haiti Smith Award, our voicemail caller of the year. It's named after this infamous September 2018 voicemail after Lovey Smith's University of Illinois team gave up five fourth quarter touchdowns to Penn State for a legendary bad beat that will forever live on in the form of the Haiti Smith Award. I'm Devin from Alabama. Champagne, Illinois. Lovey Smith. His name should be Haiti Smith for my odds. How the f do you go from four? down to 90 points down within five minutes of the game. You piece of Love you, Smith. Champagne. All right, first and foremost, we want to thank Colin's grandmother for her contributions this season and every season. Yes, this is Colin's grandmother. I just want to make a comment on the game now between Missouri and Arkansas. Number one, Petrino's over there acting like the game's over. It's halftime, that's all. Somebody needs to tell him it's just only halftime. Because I tell you what, I imagine that he probably has to fight temptation every day of the way he's at it. I don't really think this boy's going to win this ball game. And somebody needs to walk over that sideline and kind of calm him down, you know? Bye. And I'll tell you, Jimbo Fisher better shape up. Because Affleck will not hire him the way he's performing now. Bye. To I'm sure she was happy to see Saban in Alabama and the end the year on a high note. I was glad to see all the Alabama players get out healthy as well. Good for them for all playing. But let's run through our nominees and then we will select a winner. Thousands of gamblers have called into our hotline nine five nine bad beat all season. 
but here are our six very, very favorites. All right, our first nominee, The Wedding Guy. Florida State, motherfucker. Fuck you, Dabo. We're winning the ACC this year. We're winning the national title. No big deal. Colin, Stucky, I want the whole crew to come to the wedding. Y'all are officially invited to my wedding. It's next April. No college football, no college basketball. Colin, I want you to officiate. Producer Matt Mitchell, I'd like for you to be the DJ. Brett McMurphy, walk my fiance down the aisle. Stucky, you're my best man, bro. Love you guys. Oh, hey, Colin and Stucky. Alex from Florida, a.k.a. the wedding guy. What the f*** is wrong with you guys? I'm the biggest Florida State fan in the world. You can have the best handicap in the world. It doesn't matter. We're not going to cover against Clemson. But you f***ers convinced me. This, this was the year we were going to cover. And guess what? My future wife made me buy shoe lifts today so she won't be taller than me when she wears her high heels at our wedding. And this f***ing loss was still the worst thing to happen to me today. F*** you, Dabo. Clemson, God damn it. The second nominee, Fire at Club Lit. Breaking news. We go live to Charlotte, North Carolina. Hi, yes, this is Brett McMurphy reporting here from BBOC News. We're here at Club Lit in Charlotte, North Carolina, reports of a five-alarm fire within Club Lit. As you can see here at Jerry Richardson Stadium, it looks like Club Lit has completely burned down what was once a vibrant club here in 2021 is a smoldering pit of ashes in 2022. After thrilling double-digit underdog wins, it seems after their recent loss to Western Kentucky, this team has been completely dead and is unbettable. Once again, reporting live from Club Lit in Charlotte, North Carolina, Brett Murphy. Thank you, Brett. In other news, Colin Wilson doesn't know shit about service academy totals. Our third nominee, pass, pass, pass. God damn it, Colin. I fucking listened to the damn radio show this morning, or podcast, whatever you call it, damn thing. Oh, BYU, East Carolina. Neither one of these two teams can run the ball or will run the ball. It'll be pass, 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 pass. I bet the over. Oh, it's going to pass, pass. They're going to pass. They're going to pass. Son of a bitch. I thought I just watched Army-Navy. These are two pitiful-ass teams. Our fourth nominee is, of course, the guy who left a many legendary voices who paid to watch Hawaii. Hawaii money line. Last leg of a round robin. I have three home. I just wasted three hours watching Hawaii-Colorado State try to play offense. Not only watch, but I paid to watch I paid to watch. I had to pay for Spectrum TV, four ninety nine, added onto my bill to watch myself lose. Great, Hawaii. Our fifth nominee, the Jingle Bells Gambler. K State cover today on the very last play. To the window we go, cashing all the way. Ching ching ching. Christmas time is here, so let's not. Fight. Nevada or Nevada, who gives two shits 
them all right. Oh, jingle bells, dabble smells, but he had a hell of a day. The Trojan men went limp again. The playoff got away. Hey! And our sixth nominee, Life, Liberty, and Service Academy Unders. Life, Liberty, the Pursuit of Happiness, and Service Academy Unders. These are the values that American democracy were founded upon. The British didn't lose the Revolutionary War because of some high-powered American offense. They lost because the U.S. Army grounded them to a halt. They grounded them to a halt at Yorktown. These are easy unders. Easy unders. These are the values that our founding fathers instilled into America. All right, and the winner is, after Colin and I debated, we had the second place was Life, Liberty, and Service Academy Unders, but because it finally went over, so we were going to reward it, but Colin finally got his overtime, so the winner, of course, (laughs) has to be Fire at Club Lit, which... uh, Might not be rebuilt. Yeah, amazing, amazing call. Uh, Congratulations. Reach out to myself, our producer, Matt Mitchell, and we will get you an award. Thanks to all the nominees. Uh, and Martin, corn beef in the bathtub. Yeah, you're the favorite headed into next year. But you guys are great. You make uh, Mondays every year. Can't wait to do it all again next year. All right, folks, we're finally here. The moment you've all been waiting for. The Action Network Gambling Heisman trustees have assembled and voted, and now it's time to select our fifth annual recipient of the Action Network Gambling Heisman Trophy. It doesn't get any more prestigious than this. And now, the presentation of the Gambling Heisman Trophy, awarded to the most outstanding Division I player whose athletic excellence best enabled the pursuit of monetary gain through the art and science of wagering on college football. First, as always, we begin by honoring our past recipients who have inspired and continue to inspire college football gamblers everywhere. The Gambling Heisman Trophy, the most arduous award in all of sports, has been awarded to four previous college football betting icons. 2018, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, Clemson University. 2019, Lynn Bowden Jr. The entire offense, University of Kentucky. 2020, Drew Plitt, Quarterback, Ball State University. 2021, Bailey Zappi. Quarterback, Western Kentucky University. Here are this year's nominees. Michael Pratt, quarterback, Tulane. Tajay Spears, running back, Tulane. Max Duggan, quarterback, TCU. And finally... Frank Gore, Jr., running back, Southern Miss. Drumroll, please. On behalf of the Action Network Gambling Heisman Trust, we award the Action Network Gambling Heisman Trophy to Tulane quarterback Michael Pratt. And Pratt going to throw it to him wide open. He walks in for the touchdown. 
another strike by Pratt. And talking with the coaches this week, they said last year Pratt was the leader of the offense. This year, he's the leader of the team. Flap of the hands by Pratt. He's looking to throw. Three-man rush to late blitz over the middle. And it's Cook across the 25. Turns to the right. He's at the 30. Finds the sideline. 40 away. He goes. 50 to the 40 to the 30. Stay going. 10, 5. Touchdown to Round of applause after an absolutely incredible winning cover as uh, an underdog in the Cotton Bowl against USC. Tulane finished an impeccable 12-2 and against the spread. The only other group of five team to cover 12 games in a season, Matt Rule's Temple team back in 2016. The year before we started in this podcast, someone from that Temple team definitely would have won the gambling Heisman Trophy, if we did it then. That is the originator of the owl head turned GIF that we have not had in so long on Twitter. Yep. Uh, preseason Tulane, right? You could have found them up to 100 to 1, 35 to 1, a lot of places to win the AAC, which they did, and then upset uh, USC in the Cotton Bowl for one final cover. Hell of a year for Michael Pratt, Willie Fritz, Tajay Spears, and that entire Tulane team. Incredible turnaround from last season. Also, congrats to all the nominees who were, uh, I mean, Max gave it a run. Max was number two on my Heisman ballot. And uh, I, I mean, just an amazing job in cleaning up his turnovers. I've never seen anything like it. 38 total turnovers in his career, only six this season. Amazing turnaround with his turnovers. And not the starter uh, to start the year against Colorado, which people forget. It was your boy, Chad Morris's son, who was the starter before he got hurt. And then Max took the job and never looked back. And for what it's worth, we will have an unveiling of the actual Action Network Gambling Heisman Trophy itself later this month. So stay tuned for that. Uh, on behalf of myself, Colin Wilson, uh, Brett McMurphy, our producer, Matt Mitchell, our entire audio and video team on the back end. We appreciate all of you who listen. Uh, if we won you money this year, which I hope we did, take a take a minute or two, leave one final five-star review. They really help us out. And um, as I said before, it's a pleasure to do this podcast and to sweat with all of you and listen to the voicemails. And it's always so much fun. It gets more fun each and every year. Can't wait to do it all again next year. Let's go out with a bang with one final winning game in the national championship. And a quick note from our producer. Thanks, Ducky. Want to offer another very heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you for listening to Big Bets on Campus this season. The show had an incredibly successful season, an incredible amount of growth. Thanks to all of you telling a friend, telling an enemy, and listening all season long. Cannot thank you enough for joining us this and every college football season. Our podcasts here at the Action Network are my life. There's nothing I love more than them. They are like my children to me, and like my own children, it is very easy for me to pick a favorite, and it's this one big bets on campus because of all of you absolute fucking maniacs that listen to this show call the voicemail line and engage with us all season long so thank you hope you made some money hope you had some laughs and we'll see you right back here for college basketball college baseball off-season media days nonsense and next college football season my sincerest thanks and good luck betting the national title game so thanks again for tuning in it's not goodbye. It's see you later as far as college football is concerned. And 
Welcome in college basketball. As I said, stay tuned next week for that schedule. I will be here through the end of the tournament. And then Colin will be back for some uh, college baseball. Lots to come. But we really appreciate everyone listening. It's been fun. You guys make this entire podcast. So one last time, tell a friend and tell an enemy. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Leave a review. Really helps us out. Until next time, we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.